Very uh, coincidental. Yeah. <laughs> the Elizabeth Warren sat down with Amy Goodman in South Carolina. It was and a very they, good normal interview, I yeah, thought. Very I, normal. Did, yeah, uh, full disclosure, didn't watch any of it except for the part that everyone already knows that we're about to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Where it's uh, apparently, it's the end of the interview, and I, it seems like Elizabeth Warren made it that way, but uh, uh, Amy Goodman asks a completely normal, legit question that frankly could have just as easily been on CNN or something. Like, I don't think it was a particularly... Wild I've heard question. iterations of yeah. that question asked almost every election. Yeah, but it's we, not a... we probably missed like a couple dozen like neoliberal microaggressions that were uh, Amy Goodman was was giving Elizabeth like throughout the interview <laughs> yeah. previously. We so. really probably should watch the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. I, guess. yeah. I mean, you know, something got her hackles up. Right. Yeah, but uh, for for the blessedly uninitiated, um, yeah, uh, a- Amy Goodman asks uh, d- that don't know what we're talking about. Amy Goodman asks uh, Elizabeth Warren. Like with uh, New Hampshire and Iowa being the first two states in the primaries, you know, uh, do you th- and then South Carolina, which has a big population of people of color, like, do you think it's fair that presidential candidates like focus so much on these two extremely white states? Like, is that very representative or is that racist? And Elizabeth Warren. It wasn't even that aggressive. Yeah. She was just like asking her to comment on it. She like. Yeah. She's like, what's your plan? What's your 300, yeah. <laughs> what's your 300,000 well, well, media, yeah, 300,000 word medium post about it? Yeah. Like, you know, it's like. Uh, 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 Elizabeth Warren took it like, oh, so you're trying to get me to badmouth the two states that I'm about to uh, go to. Yeah. And, uh, and like the question is obviously like, no. Like, this shouldn't reflect on them at all, or even their concerns. It's more a question of, like, the political process that we have. And, uh, but the idea, I guess, of her criticizing that process would maybe, as far as the gamesmanship of the people who live in those states, are like, well, we're really important because we're the first two states in the presidential election. So I think it would definitely have hurt her to say that Iowa and New Hampshire shouldn't go first. I think that because everybody in those cares States about that really cares about the fact that they're first yeah, it's they, all they have yeah so that's <laughs> david was like why why does anybody give a shit what people in iowa think and i was like david you can't take this from them it's, <laughs> like, it's that it's that and butter cows <laughs> no um no, what, what, what's really kind of confusing me more than anything is just how easy a bullshit answer to that question would really be right he's like you you can deploy this like uh, what I called back in 2016, like the explainer candidate method, yeah, yeah, where you just explain the problem, so yeah, and, and then uh, and then use that as a substitute for you know what you're actually going to do about it. You just know about you know about the problem, yeah, right. So like uh, so like Elizabeth Warren could just as easily went, well, Amy, I'm glad you asked that. You know, because uh, <laughs> we live in a society where black folks haven't gotten you know, the fair shake that they're supposed to get. And, but, you know, you know, the, these, these elections are so long now that, you know, it does, I don't really think it matters as much who starts the conversation about who should lead this country. It's about, you know, who can participate fully and completely in the decision. And that's why, and then you just pivot. That's to, so perfect. And then you, that's wow. exactly what she wow, said. Dude. And then you just pivot to like voter disenfranchisement in Republicans yeah. and talk about North Carolina when you're in South Carolina. So if anybody- it's just so easy, it was so yeah. easy to do. And instead, she just like basically. I mean, she doesn't like fly off the handle, but it's like very, very clear she that got she's real pissy. She's yeah, she is not happy right now, and and just like walked off. And it's like, why would you do that? Especially when you have like Pete Buttigieg is really the only person with a wider fan base. I'm gonna just call it a fan base, you know. <laughs> that than, than Warren, like Warren hat, like you know, if you're just doing horse race politics, she needs some not white people. Because that's all, that's most of her constituency yeah. right now. They, they said the same thing about Bernie, too, like in the the, the 2016 primary. And like, uh, I, I don't know how and that ended up being like true or not. It, but was, like, it was not true the further down you went in age. Okay. So it was, it was more of a, a age demographic split. Well, as you went further down in age to younger people, it got more progressively more diverse, I think, like pretty quickly. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Which, you know, and a lot of that, it was just like name recognition and that Bernie had a media blackout on him like he does this year. 
and that um you know he started with no, no money and he ra- ended up raising a, a bunch but it yeah. was i i would say probably too late and you of course had the dnc like rigging the entire fucking thing for hillary clinton so i mean this is probably already said or disputed at this point but do you think like the reason why the youth besides the fact that the platform is uh, caters directly to their interests uh so you know overwhelmingly prefers sanders like I it might have to do with media bias because I think the younger you are, the more likely you, it is that you basically read the paper or online articles and or uh, or sorry and or you um, like see everything through the lens of memes. And like <laughs> Bernie has always had the meme game up, like mm-hmm. you know, re- real tight. Uh, and that the uh, that I think has to have a huge demographic uh, changeover. But then again, a lot of like the boomers and stuff are on Facebook too, so they're seeing. It's the cable memes. news is the big difference, I think. Yeah, like, people like cable news just kind of like rots your brain. Yeah, a little and, bit. and I think um, it, it really only uh, appeals to like boomers and maybe Gen Xers. Like, not I, gen- yeah, like I don't know anybody who's in our cohort that watches cable news. Not a single person. Yeah, unless something like crazy happened and then it that shows up on YouTube or Twitter or something and then yeah. watch it through that. Yeah, I mean, if you go to like the Pew uh, Research Foundation, like their, their Internet and Society program is like a really excellent, like it's not polling, you know, it's it's research. It's actual social science research. Really well organized questions and like the, the cross tabs are interesting where they like, you know, so they can say stuff like, well, all that cross tabs means is, is like you can say stuff like, the younger you get, the more likely you are to get your news from uh, the internet, right? And the, uh, uh, but they 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 go really deep and will say stuff like you know if you're if you're in a city and you're below the age of forty five, the likelihood that you get most of your news from uh, like CNN is quite low, you know. And 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 it, and it, it really you know, it paints a picture that I think really does confirm a lot of biases i think uh we usually have which is that yeah boomers uh get most of their news not just from cable news but actually mostly broadcast news like your yeah. your local television station oh news. interesting yeah that local and which is wild and i think a really big diversionary tactic that is probably only you know is really only coordinated in the sense that all manufactured consent is that um yeah, we we talk about the internet and how Facebook, you know, destroys democracy and whatever bullshit. But most people still get all like, most of their news from local TV, like local broadcast television, is still like in in serious competition and waning, but still a big place where most people get all of their news. Hmm. And uh, I mean, a lot of it is like it, it, those numbers are juiced for like weather and traffic. But yeah, um, well, and also just like being on in waiting rooms, I would think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But but it's it's not it, it's not like it's dead. You know, like no, right. millions of people every day still watch local television news. And that shit is crazy. Like local television news will turn you into a fascist if you watch it long enough what and believe the, enough of it. The, the primary uh, mechanisms for that is just like there's a lot of like fear based, you know, eyeball uh, grabbing headlines. Yeah, stuff. but also and this is the thing that uh, doesn't get talked about enough is a lot of uh, local television news is, it also has a lot of real estate holdings like the same companies own both. Uh, so, you know, it it's behooves them to, you know, drive fear about the city because they're a real estate company that might also benefit from you, uh, buying stuff in the suburbs. Oh, huh. You know, I was just, and then their medium, it, because, like, well, it's yeah. because, you know, like if your city grows, your media market grows because if you're a locally defined yeah. you so know, organization, th- then, then maybe you wouldn't want to, uh, do fear stuff. Maybe you'd be like. No, it's, there it, was no homicides in Troy this year. <laughs> it was excellent, you know. Like everyone wants down. to buy a home here. Yeah, everybody wants to move into this uh, gigantic explosion of um, luxury lofts that are catering to the top five percent of the uh, you know housing market. Well, like, you, I mean, you cover that too, right? You cover local business opening, subway sandwiches employee walks thirty miles in the snow to get to work, and their boss gives them a broke Honda Civic. Like, you know, like, you cover those stupid stories. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, 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 like, a mix of, like, good, happy, small business owner uh, bullshit plus bad 
uh, if it bleeds, it leads crime stories. Just, I don't know. It seems to feed the, the growth machine. Yeah. Really well. I don't know if listeners know, but I know you guys know about the, um, the fact that I volunteer at a local radio effort, a broadcast uh, situation, and we try to like cover local news. And I like I I wonder what it's like to do it uh, for television, but I can't imagine it's too much different. Basically, you have like slots, and you try to come up with uh, topics to cover, and people, you know, either volunteer or 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 are voluntold to um, <laughs> you know cover uh, various you know things like dog declared hero like you know, all, <laughs> right. uh and then you know the production and the editing and then the the hosting uh and then the the cutting from the the introduction to the piece and then the outro it's like yeah it's got a nice like little r- rhythm and it's it's a lot of work like there is uh, that's a yeah. shit ton of work so, so they do all while not being able to curse and yeah not being able to curse and um that's also, why we're not on Hudson Mohawk yeah exactly that's the, that's the <laughs> yeah 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 no that's it, it by the way that's we, should, we, should, we, should, we should plug it yeah, yeah cause Hudson, Hudson Mohawk, Mohawk magazine's awesome Sanctuary for Independent Media is awesome uh they're a totally rad organization that's like doing a ton for media literacy um they do summer youth employment where they teach uh kids how to produce and um uh make their own like media and broadcasting also like uh live uh video shoots of incredible like really big talks yeah Yeah, they get some pretty they're they're well connected in in like a few key areas yeah but yeah you know like what what drives i I actually what got me involved with them first which uh, is also when i learned how cities get public access television mm-hmm. like they, they taught they taught that to me and it was because i um I, I went to a city council meeting where they were debating whether or not they should renew their contract with at the time it was time warner cable and this is why whether or not you have like good or bad or non-existent public access television in your city this is why is because uh, whoever runs your city had to whether it's a city council a mayor a manager whatever does it they had to negotiate a contract with the cable companies in your area because like the cable companies need a right of way they need access to the the poles uh, um the poles and the conduits right in the public right of way and they uh, and they only get that through a contract with the city and the city at that point can say oh okay we'll give it to you if you give us xyz right and so it's a negotiation and now if you could imagine, like, whether or not you're, you know, like, fucking Carmela Montello, right? You, you're dog shit, dumbass uh, city council president, or Comcast has a better lawyer, you know? You get guess which one <laughs> has a better <laughs> lawyer, right? You know, so you, it's really hard to negotiate these contracts, and you don't even know if you should, if, you know, a, a lot of the time. And so, uh, I, I, I met Brandon and Steve because they were like, we need public, ac- we should get a public access television station and like troy never negotiates for anything and they still didn't but you know it's just wild yeah. you know, they're like oh why you don't have certain things is so often not like federal politics it's very local politics and it was just a matter of whether or not someone tried or not to do like one thing hmm. at one point but w- without even the public access um like in terms of broadcasting conduit um you know the sanctuary is doing a lot yeah they, they like, do a lot anyway they, they it was got, pretty self-serving yeah. that they wanted a public access television <laughs> so, you know no it, it, it's i think it, they had a you know yeah. agenda no but uh but their agenda is like very very dispro people so they have like whoever yeah, they want on they have a they take their uh responsibility to re- represent all of the um uh sides and stuff uh, as it relates to like uh, electoral politics uh, very seriously. So they reach out and have interviews with every candidate that they can that's on the ballot. And they broadcast them all for free on their SoundCloud, which they pay a bunch of money for because it has to host like a ton of audio. Yeah, they, they produce yeah, a lot it, of stuff. Yeah, they produce a lot. They And then so they do five segments uh, per episode, five days a week, all for free. Man. So everybody who's a host, everyone who's an editor, everyone who's a wrangler, a uh, somebody who helps write the scripts, they have like interns, like everybody there pretty much is um, uh, there for free. Yeah, it's and, not it's not um, just SoundCloud; it's a low power FM station. Yeah, right? and so they also yep, just one hundred five point three FM, old, old and, school. Yeah, and, uh, 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 
FM radio. Yeah, that's wild. And then I forget the the, the number in um, Schenectady, but uh, there's <laughs> a, a secondary link broadcast of at least that program um, on the same hours in Schenectady and in Troy. And it's pretty badass, um, to be honest. Like, I've been doing it f- just hosting uh, Mondays because that's about the amount of time that I could, like, reasonably set aside uh, every week. Uh, so I basically show up, help with the uh, final bits of the script and then, you know, go live and stuff. So anyway, I just like think about the democracy now and like what they have to do. And they do it on a global scale with like a ton of like in-depth reporting, like in Egypt during like the, the revolution, like, you know, uh, just all over the place um, and really, really high quality re- uh, reporting that's risky. And they are doing it like um, every day, really uh, five days a week, like super, super good program. I don't know. I guess all I have to say is Amy Goodman is a national treasure. And to, uh, you know, have a interview with her where it ends with anything other than just like, thank you, know, you for your service. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. It is, is, is a bad look. Like, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I want to give Elizabeth Warren the benefit of the doubt that she just, just like, had a really bad day or something, but like that did not look good. She came over, she saw the mic on. She, <laughs> right. Oh, it's not even like your mic is on, like you're fucking holding it. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's not, you know, like it's not like a hot mic scenario. Like, oops, it's like, no, you're fucking holding it. Thing. Yeah. You know, and, what, and what's, I mean, like Amy Goodman, like I was in college, uh, she gave a, uh, the, what's that, the speech at the end of graduation? Commencement speech. Commencement speech, that's what it's called. And, uh, uh, and she called, we went, Brittany and I went to new college and she called it new school for the entire time. Ah! She just called us the new school the whole time. That's funny. And then like someone whispered to it, wh- whispered at the end, or maybe she like saw the gigantic banner that was like, you know, like right uh, somewhere that's, that said the right name of the school. And she's like, oh dear, uh, sorry. And then she's like, uh, the new school is right around the corner from our uh what was she called like the our firehouse radio station she like gave a plug for democracy now like in her apology and I was like, but nice. you know still <laughs> i still stay in a legend you know like amy goodman still very very important uh yeah. person in the world yeah i'm so glad we're talking about amy goodman and democracy now and stuff instead of deadspin like don't get me wrong like it's it's sad that deadspin went under and it was just like venture capital just like eating away another like half decent thing in this world like, mm-hmm. but I was just going through all my podcasts recently and just everyone is talking about Deadspin going away and while, you know, like that they did do some awesome work and they're, they're missed. I just yeah. talking about a different media entity. right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, Democracy Now! I still donate to um, uh, periodically, yeah. not like regularly, but um, yeah, I don't know that. They could, I, they could have Chris Hedges on uh, a few less, <laughs> less times. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm really tired of that guy. But I mean... That guy sucks. Yeah, they, they have uh, a really, really good program yeah. that um, is like... I don't know. They're, they're sort of the paper of record as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I'm hoping that Warren's like bump that she's been uh, enjoying goes away pretty soon. Uh, maybe this is the... Her, her thing with Amy Goodman is the is the beginning of it because there is something really interesting. And again, this is uh, from Pew research. Uh, one of the more interesting polling that I've seen on the, on the election is that Warren is the candidate that most people pick second. Hmm. So like for, so they, they polled for who's your first can who's your first primary candidate, like your, your favorite. And then who uh, would be like your, like your second favorite. Mm-hmm. And everyone picks her as her second favorite. So, so, so she th- trades votes with pretty much everybody. See, this is why you have to be on the Warren campaign, uh, because they would pay you for things like telling her that uh, ranked choice voting is uh, going to only the favor way to go. her. <laughs> yeah, right, for real. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, um, I, I just, I don't, I don't really get it. So, I, I posted on, on my Facebook a while ago, which I, I like, I've never posted on Facebook almost ever anymore, but I, it's just like too easy that when, Bernie came out with uh, his immigration plan, which is straight up abolish ICE, you know, keep uh, families together, stop building the border wall, uh, you know, uh, every... Close the camps. Yeah, close the camps. You know, just like things that are the only sane, rational, moral position to take, and no one else has said abolish ICE. And remember, the the thing is like, part of the Department of Homeland Security, right? So it's like like 11 years old, 12 years old yeah. as a program, right? So we can abolish it. It's fine. 
uh, and and like you know, people are just like, well, well, you can't lump Warren in with the you know. I, I think the thing that I posted was something like, you know, if you don't support Bernie, you're implicitly supporting the continuation of of ICE. Like that's that that that's just true. Like no other candidate wants to abolish it. If you're going to be yeah, if you, so if you want to support a candidate yeah. that wants to abolish ICE, if you want to abolish ICE, and if the if that matters to you, yeah, if that doesn't it, even have to be, you don't have to be a single issue voter about it. Really, it's just like if you think that they if it should be abolished, then you at least have to, like, say that support, he, support he's him categorically on that, on different that, than that every line. other candidate yeah. on that issue. And you just get people who are like, oh, you can't can't lump them in together because, like, she has a plan for doing all these different things. And it's like, I don't, I like, when, I, when I'm at rallies, I'm not holding a sign that says, like, fundamentally reform ICE. I say abolish ICE. And... Yeah. And and th- this is just one of those things where like being more nuanced and uh, tricky and, and having like these all, all these complicated plans for it is just not the better way to do it. The better way to do it is to just get rid of it. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think that the the big th- argument that you know can be made even from like somebody who's a sort of uh, incremental reformer is pointing out that like ICE doesn't do anything that the rest of the government is uh, set up to do. That is stuff we want done. Like ICE's job is to like seize people in the middle of like walking their kid to work or whatever, or like break into people's homes and like grab people up and put them like on buses and trains and planes out of the country. It's a Gestapo. Yeah. It's and a fucking secret. Yeah. It's like the the rest of It's our... called ICE. Like, doesn't that sound yeah. <laughs> yeah. fucking creepy? It's, In the name. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, 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 it's dark uh, for real. And like, you know, you can still, you know, like, I don't know what kind of uh, needle people are trying to thread when it comes to immigration, because like the whole I got to look into it more like the whole thing, like is, is Bernie saying open borders? Because like, that's what I believe. I basically right. we, we think we shouldn't be barring people's access into and out of the country based on a system set up to like keep them out as uh, participants in our society. Like. I don't really understand the long-term advantage of that, except if we're going to openly recognize that we are an imperial state that has taken the best of the things in the world and brought them in and, like, we're ready to set up big borders and and fences and walls and keep everybody out at the point of guns, Uh, which is, like, what I think a lot of people either quietly or vocally support. Right. And like, that's the opposite of what I want. Like, I want like a, a society of people taking care of one another and like living amongst each other peacefully. Yeah. But most people don't think that can be done. And that's where the mentality of like closing, closing your borders off begins. Because yeah. if you, it's a fundamentally cynical view of, of your fellow human and, you know, protecting what, what you have, what you've stolen at the expense of anybody else. And as the climate continues to worsen, like if we don't get a more robust asylum system that actually looks at environmental factors and you know aside from just sort of the classic like what we think of as asylum seekers fleeing gangs and corrupt governments but now it's you know they're fleeing the climate the climate crisis as much as anything else right both the like the el paso and christchurch shooters like both eco-fascists like they or at least not if not outwardly call themselves that like they mentioned climate change well yeah Yeah. i think think the the christchurch shooter did use the phrase eco-fascist to self-describe yeah the the manifesto it's all that's already happening yeah you know well i mean yeah uh it's like the whole uh socialism or barbarism or eco-socialism or eco-fascism like people (laughs) are going to go in like you know i'm not trying to make everything necessarily into like exclusively this duality but i think that it tends to describe the two directions you can go in either like, all right, let's like hunker down and like take care of us. And it's like us versus the world. It's like the idea of like the prepper as like Batman in the woods with a bunch of guns and like lots of seed that will last, you know, like two years and be like, I'm set, I'm ready for the, (laughs) you know, the apocalypse. And like, I'm going to be fine. Like me and mine are going to be fine. And I like 45 gallon buckets <laughs> of freeze-dried beans, uh, be- beans and, and, and lasagna, it, like MREs. Yeah, and don't get me like, wrong. Oh, fine. <laughs> that is like totally, in my opinion, appropriate planning. Like the issue is just the, the fantasy of thinking you're fine as an isolationist like family in like a dystopian broken down like system for like longer than 18 months. The ones where ideology. someone has, uh, the ones where someone has diabetes and needs insulin are to me the most like tragic and hilarious of the preppers episodes oh. because 
these people go to lengths to figure out how to refrigerate and store up insulin for long periods of time. Yeah. And it's like, no, dude, if like if you're banking on the collapse of society because of the race war that mm-hmm. you're trying to start on the Internet secretly, we all know. Um, like, <laughs> or not so secretly. Or not so secretly. Yeah, you're not you're not going to make it like yeah. the, that's the price you pay for cold insulin is living in a society <sighs> with the rest of us. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it, it, like I, I see the prepper uh, uh, mentality is like totally valid, given the fact that we're like really uh, top heavy and precarious, like in terms of interconnectedness of like everything that could go wrong. Like, you know, I think that a. Uh, a medium to long-term grid down situation is almost inevitable. Um, so it's like, on one hand, I totally appreciate and sort of want to valorize the amount of foresight and effort that people get put into prepping. But the thing that blows me away is like almost exclusively, none of them are worried about like building a robust community that could like interdependently thrive and survive through a like grid down collapse. It's always right. like, yeah. just like me, my guns and my two kids and my wife and like, this like silo I built, like we're us versus the world, which is like insane. There are some, that, because, I like, mean, because yeah. I've watched a lot of preppers, yeah, Doomsday yeah. preppers, and there are some who very much are are focused on like so they what have, like, will be the social relations yeah. following a collapse. Are like, any of, we, are any of them it, like straight up communes, like people that are like intentional yeah. communities? Like there, or there have been a couple that were like earlier in the show that had very commune e. Like they didn't have you know hundreds of people, but yeah. like there's this hippie couple that's in I think the first season that yeah they're like we're gonna sell tinctures, we're gonna trade honey for linen. Nice. down the road. We'll, they, we'll they just have devolve, devolve into uh, uh, um, settlers of Catan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cheap for brick. <laughs> but yeah, when I was uh, down in uh, New York City for the XR action that I got to go down for my court date this week. Ugh. But um, when I was down there, I met this uh, guy, too, uh, who uh, lives in this Virginia commune. And we did an interview and I'll, I'll post the link with, uh, to the uh, post, put it on WOC. Um, but yeah, that that like people who are living already in what they call community, but like intentional community, like where they all sort of to the greatest degree possible, taking care of each other's needs, like very directly, like in these sort of, you know, uh, eco villages and stuff. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Like, uh, I, I, I don't know how scalable that kind of thing is, but I, I see that as like a really good direction for, I don't know, like that prepper energy to go into. Yeah. Um, it would be nice if, uh, more of those preppers because like so much of it is uh consumerism right? like it's a cons- it's a kind of consumer activism like a radical consumer activism yeah. yeah where they're like buying stuff that they think will i guess you can't disconnect really disconnect it really because the the frame that they think the natural human order is is very much organized around all these different ways that we sell the things that they buy right yeah. like they're it's but, all yeah. linked together. So, you know, you, you, if you think of yourself as an individualist, then, of course, the, the natural state of things is everyone for themselves. And, oh, gee, look, it, the market that encourages you to think of, like, an individual as, a, as only an individual also has a bunch of things to help you, like, survive individualist Hobbesian fantasy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, I think there's a conspiracy there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just to bring it back to the, the thing that I brought up this whole thing around, which is, I think that that's an analogy for the way that um, nation states are going to have to behave into the next hundred years is like, are you going to pretend that you can exist in a vacuum and isolation from everybody? Because like you just have the, the chutzpah and, you know, the, the ruggedness or whatever, and you can just be, you know, walled up in your own little like private enclave with like you and your family, or are you going to be doing the most you can to build international um, uh, ties to each other and like take care of one another? And I think that's interesting as it relates to like Brexit and stuff like that. Like, you know, like it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out, you know, like at this point, I think they're not going to break. That's like what it, you don't think Brexit's going to happen. I mean, I don't know enough about the details uh, as far as like the legality of that ability, but I think that the argument can logically be made to the populace that they didn't actually vote for anything at, at all when it really comes down to it because they didn't have any idea what it was going to actually be like. So the voting for the mystery box of just like leaving the EU and being like in whatever condition was an unfair and ridiculous uh, poll 
role to take once on the population and then enact through, you know, basically a horribly inefficient government and uh, trying to like figure out how to make this something that anybody actually wants. And I don't know. I think that's, I I put my, my thinking cap on to imagine the U S was the England and we had some vote randomly because like the, the prime minister was like, Hey, like, what do you think we should do about this very vague thing that we, you have no idea how it's going to actually impact you. And you're like, yeah, fuck everybody. And then they're like, all right, you decided. This yeah. is going to happen. Yeah, There's but I don't think I don't think legally you can just undo popular votes. I don't you know. could you I could add, you could ask for it again though, as it relates to a very specific piece of legislation. Yeah. So what, what, right? what's happening is December twelfth. They, they've called an election for December twelfth, and if Labor wins, they uh, Corbyn has said they will um, uh, negotiate a deal and put that deal as a ballot measure, either that deal or remain. Yeah, yeah, uh, which makes sense. Yeah, because yeah, then people that actually that know that's like, like a sane way to go about doing that. And I and I, they they said that they would only do that after no deal leaving was off the table, and that is officially from from what I understand off the table. So then, and that's why they then agreed for a a, a general election, and now they're they're going forward. Yeah, because I, I don't think they're going to get a good deal. So I think that when the people like really look at it. No one's going to want to put their name as a politician onto something that, like, is in fact going to be horrible and, like, long term, everyone's going to realize it's bad. So, like, if they d- can't negotiate some type of really awesome deal with the EU, which seems likely. I just, um, ho- I just hope, like, Jeremy Corbyn and Bernie Sanders, like, show up to, like, I don't know, whatever the EU building is. I, just, I don't know anything about it. And, like, they, like, Jeremy Corbyn's, like, grown a gigantic squash. Right, and, then, and, and like Bernie Sanders, what? yeah, he's a he's he's a gardener. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. There's okay. a great picture of him, like very stern faced, like a Victorian, uh, like old man, yeah. just like staring directly into the camera with a stern face, holding an enormous like zucchini or something. Which is like my favorite picture of him. Nice. And, and then, and then like, so, like him and like Bernie Sanders. So I don't know, like you know, I I uh, I I got this. Uh, this maple syrup that my 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 friend Gary makes, you know, like the two of them, like p- give that to the European Union delegates or whatever, and they're like, "Could we please just like keep the National Health Service and you know, like nationalize the train system, and and uh, you know we won't bother you, the rest of you too much or something?" I don't know. That's uh, that's how I I envision that that beautiful glorious future yeah that's some nice fanfic you got. There. I like it. I think you could probably get some hits on Tumblr with yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Shipping Corbin. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a DeviantArt profile. Yeah. Yeah. Some. That'd be gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. But I, I yeah. Uh, uh, getting back to what we were saying earlier about Warren and, and Bernie, like the two, I really think they're, they're finally starting to diverge a little bit. And maybe yeah. that's really just Bernie finally like starting to articulate the differences between them. But I think it's also Warren keeps getting put in situations where people finally start to ask like, like probing yeah like, well, like probing questions or... about like well bernie says this do you say this right he's like uh, yeah. and it's i don't think it's a coincidence that like that happened on democracy now because uh, on all the other channels there's a blackout on him so yeah. she just yeah. gets to be the most progressive candidate and they don't say like they don't compare her to bernie well, i think it was the same interview she got asked if she thinks billionaires should exist yeah, yeah she yeah, said yeah. yes yeah she said if you work hard you know blah 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 yeah. the fucking capitalist line but yeah well, you know, she's capitalist to her bones. She's capitalist yeah. to her bones. Yeah. She was a Republican until yeah. 96. So, like, you know, like, I think that she needs to stay in office and fight the uh, the, the banks and break them up. Because, like, when she was, like, a single-issue senator almost around that issue, as far as, like, her progressive credentials were, she was really effective. And, like, you know, it, it, uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, make her commerce secretary or something. I don't know. That's fine <laughs> with me. Uh, but, like, not president. I just don't want... I don't know more capitalist yeah. presidents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. That means that uh, one person has to win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one person has the best shot of winning yeah. if, if they let him. Yeah. I agree with you. So this defunct white supremacist neo-Nazi website that ended in 2017 called Iron, Iron, March. Iron March. Yeah. So Unrelated. <laughs> no relation. No, no affiliation whatsoever. So all of these um, like email addresses and IP addresses got leaked for users of this defunct uh, neo-Nazi forum. And a ton of them are surprise, surprise military. Uh, Like lots of the comments on the, on the website 
are people talking about being in the armed forces. And then Vice confirmed the identities of three uh, active U.S. forces. So are, the, are these people now uh, considered doxxed? Uh, so I, I haven't seen any reports actually. I think in in theory, any of them could be doxed, but I haven't seen any like national level reporting doing that. Interesting. Yeah, like in this Vice article, there's no names of those three. Just yeah, that no, they have no... been identified. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, basically these are like neo-Nazis in our country getting free military training with our tax dollars so that they can learn how to build bombs and like do urban guerrilla warfare and then talk online about setting up fucking paramilitaries and bombing synagogues. Whoa. Yeah. So that's fucked up. uh, I highly recommend anybody check out that. We'll put the link in the show notes, but it's pretty fucking disturbing. And so far, it's a good thing. Antifa has the air force, you know, (laughs) (laughs) actually the data was leaked by an Antifa activist. I think that their user, the email they used to leak it was, uh, Antifa data, like Antifa data. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think that's clever shit. Yeah, I love a good pun. Yeah. I was, I was a referring comrade to and like, a punist. Yeah. I'm happy. <laughs> I thought I thought they were actually going to be from the Air Force or something. That'd be pretty funny. No, that would be funny. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, it's uh, I I nothing about Antifa, but uh, Robert Evans of uh, Behind the Bastards and uh, It Could Happen Here podcast fame um, was talking about on It Could Happen Here the fact that a bunch of uh, quote black identity extremists unquote uh, as far as I think the government was concerned uh, and a bunch of white supremacists have uh, gone into the military specifically to learn uh, skills and tactics for the purpose of like engaging in potential civil war uh here um and uh yeah i think that that's all scary and crazy that like it's not just people's like that it's not just the politics of white supremacists that are really scary but the fact that they're like actually about a genocidal uh objective and yeah like Like they're like a lot of these are accelerationists like planning like you know terrorist attacks online because they want to start the race war it's really disturbing yeah i think that it's really scary. The, um, the, Robert Evans was quoting somebody, and I'll, I'll sort of paraphrase it, uh, that was online talking about like what they would do in like a grid down situation uh, where they're like a lot of people are just waiting for systems to collapse to like try to enact their political uh, objectives, like to seize the crisis. And they're uh, the, the guy's talking on this forum, and he's like, and we're going to have to execute a bunch of, uh, like, you know, minorities uh, immediately because otherwise they won't know that we're, like, serious about this and, like, blah, blah, blah. Jeez. And, like, yeah, so <sighs> uh, I, I, it's not for the faint of heart, uh, that podcast, It Could Happen Here, because they talk about a bunch of people, like, specifically, like, they name names and talk about where they're at and where their operations are and approximately, like, how many people are associated and, like, you know, interested. But, like, the quotes are pretty uh, harrowing. And I, there's a I, lot of people out there that are... Uh, very uh scary i really wonder how much of that goes into uh like deciding whether or not we should like reinstate the draft or not like i sometimes i I do think that you know because the fbi may keep an eye on these but you know these people but they obviously don't do anything it's a lot of catch and release the fbi runs a lot of these yeah right or they run them Yeah. yeah so like they know how dangerous it would be if you know more than you know the small percentage of the population that we have now that's in the military what if, you know, like, even half of the United States had military training? Like, we could have a really serious problem on our, on our hands. Like, I don't know. That, well, I wonder e- how much e- of that. Either that or we'd be able to, like, keep a problem from happening. That's yeah. sort of like, yeah, the, yeah. you know, the, the idea of the, the armed society is the polite society um, mm-hmm. and also violent society uh, being, you know, the kind of thing where, if, like, if, if on average everybody was uh, trained up, uh, it wouldn't make it so scary that there's, like, I think the disproportionate amount of trained up people that have like a genocidal ideology that they're trying to enact, like, uh, versus, uh, people, uh, in general that don't have that type of ideology, like their level of, uh, per capita military training and in focus. Um, so Brittany, let's utilize your, uh, your skills right now. What do you think about the fact that, uh, the people that go into the military obviously have all by design been trained to not only do certain things, but act a certain way. 
you know, like they have a shared culture. It's really yeah. just, you know, a fancy way of saying that. Uh, and then they also go online on all these chat rooms and message boards that link up uh, really well with that culture. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't that kind of a, um, just like a, a, a hotbed for this sort of stuff? Like they're going to instantly be really like well connected and speaking the same language and really hit the ground running and forming pretty like new organizations ba- just based off of already sharing so much in common right like i imagine they you know like they can already uh share stories about say basic training right and like they they had they something they did something that is very literally uniform right like, yeah <laughs> right and so like they, they already ha- they can already hit the ground running on like talking about very common things and i mean then, i guess like i i can't it, help but want to just say are you are you arguing that like the military is inherently fascist because i would like is that sure kind of what we're trying to get to well i guess one thing like the something as rigid and well organized as a military plus the sort of uh network capabilities of the internet where you can uh people that are disparate in their beliefs, you know, like you just imagine, you know, like out of a hundred thousand people joining the military, like maybe 12,000 believe the, the are, are fascists. Right. Uh, uh, and the internet lets you bring that 12,000 together. Right. And they, and it, unlike any, another situation where those 12,000 people might have lots of things not in common, you're, when you're drawing t- those 12,000 from a hundred thousand that have a lot in common, that's just going to like, spread like wildfire i think i think they'd just be like really ready to then create new affinity groups that once they get out of the military they're but, they're already sort of like a, a culture a culture right. to each other yeah, but, yeah but, absolutely but that could go either way right you know you could have people uh like i think there's um hell of a way to die i think that's the name of the podcast there's like a a veteran leftist podcast called hell of a way to die Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that the internet allows for people who have shared experience and shared culture that has been, you know, developed, uh, through an institution like, you know, the armed forces, uh, to, uh, like link up and, um, you know, amplify their, uh, message. But I think it, it, it could go a lot of different ways. I think that w- you were talking about as, as whether or not the military, uh, and its self-selective, uh, characteristic as a volunteer force right now, um, lends itself more toward fascism than any other political ideology. I think there's a case to be made there, but I don't know. I have a family that was in the military and it's really interesting. Like my cousin, Nikki has like very, very different views about, um, the, the military now that she's out of it than when she was. Cause a lot of these people that get into the military, they're like young. Oh yeah. You know, like 17, 18, 19, like when they're enlisting and, uh, you know, a lot of them don't have like a, fleshed out worldview until like you know yeah you get it when you're in the military yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. you get a big part of your you know, a, like you're gonna become a person like yeah. while you're in the army and i work yeah. with a, a number of people who are uh military veterans um and a bunch of them like are very you know like libertarian socialist type of uh attitudes um having like served in the military and sort of uh see the military as like um, sort of diabolical and uh, very uh, not really into it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. And I mean, like, we have a bunch of people in DSA. I can think of at least two people off the top of my head that are in our local DSA chapter that the are veterans yeah. and have like really awesome politics and under you know like you know it's it's not it's obviously not a everyone doesn't come out thinking the exact same thing. A lot no, of people no, get radicalized no. by no, seeing but, what but they you see. You do in have to military. also like the institution itself is like kind of already inherently bound up in like yeah. even just from basic symbolism. Yeah. But you know, yeah. like militaries are arms armed you know, armed arms of the state. Like yeah. that is kind of it's just sort of already fascist. And it doesn't mean that everybody who serves in the military is a fascist. It just means that like it lends itself to that culture, I think, more easily. Yeah. Yeah, and I think one more piece that we could add on to this is the, you know, uh the geography component is that, you know, if you say have more leftist politics get out of the army uh and want to find a group of people that are like you, both politically to the left and veterans, uh you could probably find that IRL in a city where yeah. like Mm-hmm. You can have meetups at a library or a bar or something and actually meet those people. But if you are to the right, 
right and, or really far to the right and leave the military there's a higher likelihood that you don't go to a city like that's just statistically likely that like you would prefer to be isolated or if you know and especially if as we were saying like your view of grid down like apocalypse situation is that you hide out in a rural bunker and like fight off the invading hordes right then like you need the internet to connect with anybody right because you're physically not going to be present with anyone you're going to be spread out yeah or maybe so, like, you know, so like, that's just like, i think like another yeah. way how the internet or, or favors yeah. more right-wing right. organization in yeah. the, especially in this scenario or it is at least particularly useful to yeah that sort of like disparate yeah because geographically the, disparate cultural yeah because the, the 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 internet does the same thing cities do right yeah in in the way that they can take uh bring a, people into close contact yeah yeah you take people that are in a minority a statistical minority in the in the in a general population and you can bring them together without them being physically together so like a no never mind like twitter <laughs> i was gonna say like, uh i was gonna say so like a a, a neo-nazi web forum is essentially like a gay like a gay club yeah it's the, no, it it's is. the it's right-wing a, version yeah. of a gay club yeah yeah hmm. I've put that in writing before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't really have like much else to say about it, but it, it I find it really um, like not, not terribly surprising, but very disturbing to think of the number of people in this country who have military training and stocky, like stockpiled weapons and possibly explosives. And they're yeah. just waiting for a hurricane or like uh, anything. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what they're waiting for. But they'll know it when they see it. Yeah, they'll know yeah. when they see it. Yeah, I, I, it's yeah. like porn. You see the end of the world. You, you, you'll know it when you see it. <laughs> uh, I've been floating this idea out a little bit. Is like, what? Obviously, like because of what we've been talking about, a leftist version of prepping would look very different, both in character and in sort of like substance of what you do to prep, right? Because your view of humanity is different. Mm -hmm. And, like, what it takes to survive is different. And, like, you have a better grasp on, like, science. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, like, you know that seeds go bad and that bullets go bad and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, uh, um, I, and I, I, I've been thinking, like, well, what, what would be, like, the locus of power for, of, like, institutional power that you could breed leftist preppers in? Because, it, obviously, on the right, like we've been saying, it's the military. But like, what if like you know, like you didn't think that armed conflict was the essential like center? Of... It would be disaster relief, right? It would be like disaster yeah. relief, or so, like... I'm just I'm actually imagining like woodshop classes at liberal arts schools or something. Well, it's just like very practical, <laughs> well, like well, it, well if you look I, at like, like mutual aid disaster relief, which yeah. is like an organization. Like this is pretty much it. It's like the you, the crop ups uh, in uh, uh, from uh, Katrina of like temporary autonomous zones where people were just like helping each other like yeah. living in commune for, in whatever they could find that was like habitable and like taking you know I spent a week in one of those actually yeah yeah it did some drywall it was nice Th yeah, that's it was, yeah. fucking awesome yeah it's, um, it's good work yeah. yeah uh uh yeah they they um uh i i think that's that's definitely true that uh, which is also like i i always think about that as like things that we should be thinking about when we decide what our demands are of powerful people you know it was like what's the thing that builds power in like five ten twenty years you know and it's like thousands hundreds of thousands whole generations of people like being forced into like work that does the further meta work of indoctrination essentially right or at least like getting people to think differently in terms of like the very basics of how humanity and society work together you know and like i mean that's just what, also what i think about when i'm like teaching my geography and planning yeah. class so like when i'm teaching my master's students they're getting a master's in regional planning like, it's all fundamental shit, you know? Yeah. It's all like, well, like, w where do you put the the factory next to the homes? You know, like, yeah. stuff, like stuff like that matters. And, and when everything falls apart, you have to just, like, make those decisions all over again because so much of the things that make those decisions for you above your head and behind your back are going to be gone. And now you have to, like, learn those things in a really uh, radically democratic way, I think, is important. Yeah, yeah to the degree that we uh, rely on each other for our everything like our survival our entertainment our uh, you know uh, companionship etc in a way that's like 
you know, truly like semi universal, like as, as we like live in localities, like we actually rely on everybody around us is also to the same degree that we will see our fellow neighbors, et cetera, as like critically valuable to like our own lives and like, you know, the, the actual connected nature that we have yeah, and we won't want to kill each other. Yeah, we won't have like these, you know, knock down drag out fights about like, you know, baby food yeah yeah it's, it's, like, yeah, it's, it's just like the difference between like seeing everyone as a potential ally instead of a potential enemy you know yeah. it's like do you grab a gun or a carrot like, like you know, when you see someone new coming up you're like oh i must immediately establish like barter relations with them like with them instead of pointing a gun at them because that's how you actually live in a peaceful society is like establishing a, a mutually beneficial relationship not necessarily like mutually assured destruction you know, uh-huh. and like uh, I don't know. I, th- I think that that's at yeah. Core I mean, I, I think it. there's room for a little bit of like, and I don't think it's uh, healthy to be like Pollyanna about it and no. assume that like when the walls come crashing down, everybody is just gonna like going to love each yeah, other yeah. and like yeah, share yeah. and true, everything. True. Like there are people who will be violent. Like I'm sure yeah. that there will be, as with any major social upheaval, yeah. like there's always violence. But I don't think that that's inherently who everyone is. Yeah. And I yeah. think that like the the appropriate way to go about prepping is not only just setting up collective efforts to help each other, but also to establish, to defend yourself from the people who would see a positive collective movement fail yeah. purposefully. Because I, you are going to have those people and you have to prepare for that. What do you do with those people? Yeah. And what do you do with the rapists as well? You know, there's like a, there's a zine about, um, that's really good. That's on ending incarceration. And it, the title of it is what about the rapists? Yeah. And it's like, you know, okay, how do you, if we, you're going to build like a, a more egalitarian, democratically governed, just society that doesn't imprison people, which is the one that I would like to be a part of. What do you do with the rapists? And do they have any insights? Um, I mean, it's going to be totally community. Yeah, yeah. It's going to depend on your community. Some like, and that's kind of why I'm in favor of like a radical autonomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, local level governance with stuff like that. Like some places will say we're going to kill them. Like we're going to. We're going to execute the rapist. And then other places will say, well, we just won't let them live here anymore. And then, you know, I mean, what kind of solutions you have for that problem, I think, are determined by, like, the scale of your social order. So, in, in, like, in an apocalypse scenario, when I definitely need my myself and my children to never be around a rapist, I'm going to kill that guy. Yeah, or at least neuter them. Right, but if we're just living in a society together, you know... Castrate, sorry. (laughs) Be like, you have a scarlet letter. Yeah, chop a stick off. It was that yeah. was that a zine you bought at uh, Red Emma's? Yeah, I that, think so. Yeah, yeah, Baltimore. Man, that yeah, rules. The idea of uh, settling uh, heavy issues without the arbitration of the state is so foreign and so like exhilarating and terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Like being able to hypothetically do it better, like you know that that's cool. <laughs> but like having to do it at all, like as like a citizenry to like take that on, you know. It's heavy. It's heavy. Yeah, yeah. It's heavy. <laughs> I mean, I guess we're already doing it. The question is like whether or not we think that the way we're going about it is like the most appropriate or beneficial to to us. Yeah, I think a lot of it is going to be like how many things we just don't arbitrate, mm. right? Yeah. Which we already don't, you know, right? It's like your shit gets stolen. No one actually looks for who did it, right? You know, like they just you know they file leads? the paperwork. <laughs> Leave. Yeah, right. <laughs> right yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, f- uh, two or three detectives on <laughs> the case right back in the lab. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, like, I, right. So, like, part of it could just be, you know, like, if you imagine, you know, your socialist communist paradise, it's like, you know, we have a, a, a like a, a global insurance pool for, for robbery. And when someone steals something, like, you apply to the global yep, insurance yep, but, pool but when there's no more private property no nobody can steal it <laughs> right yeah right it's like no, it's yeah fine. well like but on you know occasion you, you know, can like, have a toothbrush yeah you know, like we're not like we're always gonna have teenagers right and like teenagers yeah. gonna do a, a, yeah, like or, or dumb even, obnoxious yeah. things they for should the definitely sake of be it, executed right you know like people right yeah all you, no. uh, you, you, you get, but you're gonna have, like i mean people steal things for all sorts of reasons it's yeah. not just because like you desperately need it although that's usually the reason right well, you know it's like I believe that children are our future. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, our future stealing shit for fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's also what the elderly do, though, right? Steal, steal stuff for fun. Steal stuff yeah, for fun. Yeah, they do. Yeah. That's what yeah. my grandpa did for like the last like 10 years of his life. It's yeah. really cool. It would just like go into Walmart 
and just and and like for a while towards the end he definitely did have dementia but he kind of faked it for a while i think too and so he would like go into walmart walk around go into the uh the electronics department and you take out of his pocket his old universal remote control that he didn't want anymore for no particular reason and we'd open up a a new uh, like a, a new package? one and stick the old one in the package nice. the new one and then take the new one put that one in his pocket and walk out and whenever he get caught he just act confused because he and it's not a lie i walked in with the universal remote control in my pocket right <laughs> you know, like, you know like roll back the tape there you see the bulge right there that's that's my i can't do that naturally that's definitely a remote control in my <laughs> you know it's like i don't think i you know like could i get mad at him no like what else like there's it's a victimless crime he's, and he's, he's crazy bored. like a fox he's bored as hell <laughs> just you know go steal from walmart let old people steal from walmart yeah, yeah. that's that's the first policy uh plank of mine <laughs> Is it, yeah, like, I mean, like, you basically sign up for it if if Walmart opens a store next to Century Village in Boca Raton. <laughs> not Boca, Deer, it's Deerfield Beach, yeah, yeah, the uh, distinction without a difference. But, yeah, you know, it's, 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 the place is called Century Village, which I, I also want to point out. is. Are there any Centurions? Probably, and, like, if you're no, going to sure, find yeah. them, they're there, yeah. Man. Well, your, your grandpa was a Centurion. Uh, he came close, he was in his 90s. Oh, okay. That shit's crazy. Imagine yeah. being born in uh, 1918 right? and making it to, to now. What was wild is like like the, the life of people like, uh, like that live the same age as like Robert Moses. Not You don't have to be Robert Moses, but you like think of his life where like born in like the early like uh or the very late 1800s and like dying in like the the 80s or something like you go from like horse and carriage to airplanes and highways and car and, and like and LHC. telephones and the internet and shit and it's like you when you were born like none of that existed every city looked completely different and and ran completely different that's yeah that's pretty wild that stuff's wild it to would, me it would be wild to be a, also a scientist that has gone through 100 years of scientific uh, breakthroughs and development like imagine not in you know just being tooled with the state of the art knowledge of like the early 1900s and then you know like paying attention to technological and scientific breakthroughs for another hundred years we go from zero dick pills to like four (laughs) different dick pills on the market yeah (laughs) truly the height of our civilization yeah yeah, for real remarkable diversity of dick pills Uh, porn looks completely different there's so much more (laughs) heartburn medication shit ton of it all the important stuff Dick fills corn and heartburn medication. Yeah. Tells you a little something about uh, Sir- our lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> I believe the children are future. <laughs> Go long on children. Whoa. You know, solid, invest- <laughs> no. solid investment strategy. Jesus Christ, David. Uh, Unsay it. Unsay it. Unsay it. What? That means invest. Pause. <laughs> means invest in them yeah long term <laughs> heavy how many children do you need to buy before it's considered a healthy investment <laughs> well i'm I'm interested in cho- children futures <laughs> actually um I, I like to structure my my children investment in uh low yield bonds i don't know yeah ch- <laughs> ch- children r- roth Roth children IRA. Yeah. All right. Anyway, IRA children would be pretty cool. That's cool. Uh, IRA children. Yo, I really hope uh, that uh, there's a united Ireland. After all this, um, that would be nice. No bloodshed. So in today, so today in good news, some very uplifting wildflowers for us. A wounded U.S. veteran is now feeling whole after a breakthrough penis scrotum transplant. Fuck yes. This is really fucking cool. Um, apparently like genital injuries in the military are quite common and like are very, uh, for obvious reasons, not oft spoke about horror of war. Um, and so this, this veteran had a 100% successful penis and scrotum transplant and he now has near normal erections and the ability to achieve orgasm. 
Wow. With the urine discharged in a strong stream. That is fucking cool. Because That's cool. Because penis and balls, crazy. they are very complex, like, yeah. pieces of yeah, that's like some, some straight up Frankenstein kind yeah. of thing where like, like, I, I wonder how they did the transplant, like in the sense of it was probably like an organ donor. But like, imagine if you were the organ donor of like the first uh, transplanted um, uh, genitals ever. That, mean, that um, means at some point a dick and balls were on ice in a cooler. Or something like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, or maybe yeah. they were like directly hooked up to like a, um, a some type of like uh, circulatory like s- continuation system. Yeah. I mean, the fact that the nervous tissue uh, was able to be healed and or to the point where, you know, erections were possible and, um, you know, like there's sensi- sensitivity, like he can feel it. Like it's not just. Uh, yeah, no, it's he, he's, wild. They, that really they grafted crazy. they grafted a penis scrotum and abdo- an abdominal wall from a deceased donor, which would mean also transplanting the connected nerves, muscles, and blood vessels. That's crazy. can he have kids? How does that work? Wow, I don't know. I never really I, thought about that. I've like, never so deeply wanted like a biological ethicist to show up. Yeah, is it his kids? Who's like, dick and balls? Is this? they they haven't done that yet with like no okay other so appendages here, right? Uh, the groundbreaking operation also forced doctors to contend with complex ethical questions. If the donor's testes were transplanted during the procedure, the recipient potentially could have fathered a child with the other man's genetic material. Wow. Uh, Ultimately, after consulting with bioethicists, the Johns Hopkins team decided against doing so. So what did they do? Are they like fake balls? I don't, I don't. Or did they swap out his balls? It's, also, it's possible that they just like don't, they like, they get basically give him a vasectomy or like, it's like. It doesn't really seem there, to say who's. The vast deferens aren't connected. Wow. Yeah. What a trip. I'm not seeing whose balls they are, but. Wow. So these doctors are like, we could totally make him fertile. We could fucking do it. And they're like, nope. You shouldn't do it, though. And it'll be like, one, that would be one of the more impressive moments of, like, we could, but we won't. That, like, medical science doesn't do nearly enough. Well, maybe in the future, part of consenting to be an organ donor just means, like, consenting to have your genetic yeah. materials donated, too. Like, Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's crazy. Imagine if you could, like keep one set of genitals rolling for like 200 years and how many like children you could have fathered by one biological don't give them any ideas <laughs> hey powers that be turn off the power this is an heirloom dick right? <laughs> yeah. this is a 250 year old yeah dick. it belonged to my father and my father's father and my father's father before that oh man that's that's gonna be like some baron harkonnen like weird future uh dystopia shit where like Baron Trump in the year 3000 is like still animated and like his his dick keeps like siring new American empire. It, if the technology exists. I'm sorry, you know, that just all came at me at once. Wow, yeah, David. <laughs> <laughs> the technology exists. You you know that there's going to be, be, be people who are already showing the mental uh affect of wanting to do this kind of thing of like having a uh, a forever progenitor like Jeffrey like, Epstein? Yeah. Like the idea, like exactly. Jeffrey Epstein yeah, wanted we, to start a fucking girl farm where yeah, he would just he, like spread his seed wide yeah, and far. He's, yeah, yeah. And like the idea people of are fucking monsters. That that being one way to uh, you know keep your legacy going, like you know, but this this brain, then this heart, and these lungs, they might be not long for the world, but my scrot will live on. <laughs> I really hope that this transplant isn't wait for it tainted by. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Epstein's money. Oh, in terms of like direct uh, oh, investment. Oh, because it's John Hot Johns Hopkins. Well, 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 because it's studying how to move dicks around on other bodies, and yeah. like Jeffrey Epstein, like wanted his dick and head to be like frozen in the, for for future yeah. or something. I mean, you know, th- th- I wouldn't be shocked if there was a connection. Yeah, right? huh. oh, man, I hope that you guys, you've taint, you have tainted it, David. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. No, I, I, no. Don't, I don't want to taint the taint story. No, it's, but, it's a but, good, it's a but good, for real though, the, it's this, a good story. This is like awesome. I think and, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. it's really great, and I'm and I'm glad that they, you know, the U.S. government could, um, you know, like do this guy a solid and help help him out, like after like putting him into harm's way where he needed this done. Yeah, and I hope his Tricare covered it. All right, so is that it this this week, guys? I think so. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're going to finish up a uh, second part of that bonus content yeah. we were teasing last yeah. week. We're uh, currently 
my my computer literally ran out of hard disk space <laughs> while we were recording it. It was yeah, like, you're out of hard fun. disk space. Stop. Okay, plug one thing. Oh, please. Uh, I was on, uh, or uh, Justin Rosniak was, uh, who was on our show like three episodes ago, mm-hmm. was uh, good enough to invite me on, uh, awesome on his episode. show that he does with, uh, with uh, Alice and Liam uh, called Well, There's Your Problem. And I was on there and we talked about uh, engineering culture and uh, the horrifying... Uh, intersection that i used to live next to pines boulevard and uh flamingo road would have about like one major accident on it every day uh for years until they they rehabbed it a little bit and um uh and the, the show's a lot more fun than that sounds yeah we'll link to it in the in the show yeah. notes for the episode yeah they're, nice. they're a bunch of great people yeah i listened to a bunch of it it was really great yeah it's fun all right you can find us on twitter ironweeds pod you can find us on Instagram. Ironweeds Pod. You can uh, buy us coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash ironweeds. And you can email us at ironweedspod at gmail.com. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank Peace. you. Bye-bye.